I'm, a, I'm afraid to ask you if you think that looks like me. Do you? Do you? I think it, I, I was afraid that you would say yes, actually. Well, good morning to you all. So good to see you this morning. And like Hannah said, it's so great to have you participate with us and be part of our services here in Holland. Those of you who are joining us online this morning, thank you for your faithful participation with us over these weeks. We know you're out there and we appreciate it and we're so grateful for all of you to join. And it's a, it says a lot about you to be here on a summer Sunday, any summer Sunday. Today, weather-wise here in Holland isn't the greatest, but I know if I didn't work here, I'd probably be having the same conversations you have on some Sundays about, about coming and being part of it. But the way you worshiped and the way we sang and the way we acknowledged some truths about this God who has given everything for us, that says a lot about you too. And that's important for us to remind ourselves of this good and holy God. And as Hannah said, we're in a series, we're starting a series today that's gonna go through the summer, uh, eight weeks, on the book of Proverbs, which you're gonna like by the time we get done here today because I want you to dive in with us. But if you just come on Sundays, you're gonna get a lot, but if you work on it during the week, it'll be even better for you. So just put that little thought in the back of your mind. And Proverbs is this amazing book. It's a book that, that just encapsulates uh, all these little clever, memorable sayings about life. And there's hundreds of them about all kinds of topics. And we're gonna to get to some of those. But you know, you use Proverbs every single day in your life. And if you're my age or older, you know this one. You ever heard a stitch in time? Saves nine. You know what that means? Right, if you, get, if you have a tear in a piece of cloth or on a seam, and if you get a stitch in in time, timeliness, you'll prevent the rest of it from ripping out. A stitch in time saves nine. I like this one for do-it-yourselfers and wannabe carpenters like me. Measure twice, cut once, right? Have you heard that one? Measure twice, cut once. I have a friend who gets it a little mixed up. He said, I cut that board two times and it's still too short. He doesn't quite, doesn't quite have it. How about this one? An ounce of prevention is, is worth a pound of cure. So if you put a little bit of, of effort in to prevent something, prevent it maintenance-wise, it's worth a whole lot on the other side that you're gonna have to spend if you have to cure something. Oh, I, I like this one. Red sky at morning. Do you know this one? Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night. Yeah, do you know where that first showed up? This is a good Bible trivia question. Jesus said it, Matthew 16. You, don't worry, you can go look for that now if you want to. But right at the very beginning, he says, that the Sadducees were asking him about signs of the times. And he said, don't you guys look at the sky and you can tell what the weather's gonna be like? I thought that was pretty good because we use it all the time and I think it's mostly true, I don't know. One of the things about the little sayings we have is that they're generally, they can generally be true. Um, but Proverbs, we believe, has a strong probability of being true. I, I have a new neighbor that just moved in across the street from us, so we're yelling across the street. We, we've kind of met, but sort of, and he's from New Jersey, and I apologize for the weather. I said, it's gonna get better. And he said, from your lips to God's ears. Have you ever heard that one? From your lips to God's ears. In other words, I sure hope God's listening, because we could use a little change, better weather. Well, the book of Proverbs, along with a few other books, are what the Bible calls the wisdom literature. They're intended for us to think about what it is to be wise people. People that are filled with and, and known for, for wisdom. Tim Keller, my favorite author of mine, and by the way, I'm gonna plug his book a couple times today. Uh, he has a book on Proverbs called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. God's Wisdom for Navigating, look it up. It's on my, I have it on my Kindle and I, I use it all the time. But he, he says this, if the Bible were a medicine cabinet, the book of Psalms, would be like the ointment that you would go to to use for a, to soothe a burn or a irritation on your skin. 
the book of Proverbs would be smelling salts. Because it would say, wake up, be alert, you gotta pay attention, you gotta wrestle with this. And one of the things we know about Proverbs, especially in the Bible, are this, that they're short, clever sayings that offer wisdom, and you should also note, they offer wisdom as you wrestle with them. Sometimes the meaning isn't immediately, abundantly clear, but they're intended for you to think, to be, to be engaged with them, and to, to work through them. So those, the Proverbs about our everyday life and the Proverbs that exist in the Bible have this, this deeper sense and deeper meaning and call to us. Now, it's funny, I noticed in my own life, maybe you can too, I can't always tell you the times I've been wise and I've made a wise decision, but I can always tell you when I haven't. The wisest decision I ever made, bar none, is I married my wife, Anne, as is being recorded right now. <laughs> yeah, wisest decision by far, no, no comparison at all. Unfortunately, that's put Anne in the ringside seat for all of my unwise decisions throughout my life. So, so we were driving back from Northern Michigan this week and uh, I said, I gotta come up with an illustration of an unwise decision that I made and I can't think of any. She goes, yeah, that's a tough one. I said, yeah, I said, I know, right? And she said, yeah, there's so many to choose from. So we, we settled on one and we had a good laugh about it. So here a few years ago, do you guys know where Mackinac Island is? It's up in Northern Michigan. Anyway, it's an island that has no cars. So you have, you have two couple choices to get around. You have horses and wagons or you have bikes, right? So I always thought it would be the coolest, from the time I was a little kid, I wanted to drive my own horse. Like I wanted to get in the, we have the reins, not ride a horse, drive a cart with a horse. And they do that, you can rent a horse to, to take you around. Now these are the old retired horses. These are not the thoroughbreds, the young ones. These are, these are horses that have seen it all. And so you pretty much get in, and you don't know this, but they're really on cruise control. You have nothing to do with where they're going or what they're doing. They just, they just go. Every so often, it's hilarious. The horse, when you do something, the horse will turn around and look at you. It's, I, they all have personalities. So we, we got this horse, and we thought, it's gonna be so amazing. We're gonna walk around the perimeter of the island. It's eight miles around. And I said, it'll be, it'll be romantic. It'll be quiet. We'll talk, and we'll, you know, we'll go back to the old times. And it was so boring. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even my wife was like, can we cut this short? And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I looked at the map. I said, I think we can. The way you do it is you take this next road up to the right of main, the main road of the island, and it'll take you back to where we started. Now, we were already out like two hours. And this was, we were only about a quarter of the way around the island. It's not peaceful at all, by the way. There's bikes zigzagging everywhere. And it, so it wasn't what we pictured. So I decided unwisely to take the shortcut. Well, as soon as you start up a side road, there's a couple things you don't know about. One is, everything is uphill. If you, the, the path around the island is on the flat, down the water, but everything else is uphill, I mean, like that kind of uphill, steep uphill. And the other thing you don't know is that there's some unwritten rules about horses that come down, horse carriages that come down the hill towards the path that you may or may not know about. So I turned right, we started about 100 yards up, and then this is what was coming down at us. Now, they weren't standing still. They were coming down the hill at us. There's three, I, I grabbed this picture because it had the three horse hitch in front and loaded with tourists. And the driver was, let's shall we say, not happy that I was coming up the hill with my single horse. In fact, we heard a lot of what I'd call very non-Wesleyan words being directed <laughs> towards us. 
And I, now I'm, I'm having trouble because I, I actually had to get out and move. My horse was already very indignant that we made him turn right. He knew that was wrong. And, and the fact that now he was like, hey, you made this mess, you're gonna have to figure it out. So I pulled the, I got him off to the side just enough. I mean, literally six inches for that wagon to clear us. And then we had to turn. I had to turn, cause I didn't want to keep going up and run into another one, right? So I, I started this, this slow turn where you don't have much room, r- turning radiuses, and those carts have a turning radius. I don't know if you know that. Well, what happens if you go too tight is the wheels kind of bind up in the middle and it raises the side of the carriage several feet off the ground to where your passenger is this close to falling out. And there was just one passenger left on the wagon at that point. <laughs> and she screamed and I, stopped and the horse was like, for, just forget this whole thing. And we stopped and we, we settled everything back down. I was able to back them out. We got out of there. It was one of my, one of my classics. So I wrote, a, I wrote my own proverb. Okay, here's my proverb for it. He who is walking the slow horse will be a fool to take the shortcut, especially if your wife is with you. <laughs> just, that's a free one for today. But I've always loved the book of Proverbs. I'm simple, and, and, and the book of Proverbs just appeals to me. Somebody has called it the most down-to-earth book in the whole Bible because it's written for real people about real life, and I just love that about it. First of all, I also love this. You can find it so easy. You just open your Bible to the middle. It's really pretty close to the middle of your Bibles. And in fact, if you, want, if you have a Bible with you, you might want to just get, get your thumb on Proverbs 1. We're going to read through a few verses there to start today. But you can also look that up in your phone if you have that. Um, it'll be just a minute, but we'll get to Proverbs 1. I also like this, that I love the way they did this. 31 chapters, right? 31 days and months. So you can read a chapter per day and you always have a Bible reading plan right in your hand. You you know exactly where you left off, none of this guessing. So tomorrow, you can start with Proverbs 12, right? Tomorrow's the 12th, you can jump right in and start with us and we're gonna encourage you to do that along the way. But I always love the fact that you can jump right in and and take off right right where, where you left off. Now the center of the book, chapters 10 through 29, so you're joining us midstream if you start tomorrow, that covers hundreds of topics. The first nine chapters are all speeches, speeches from parents, from a father to a son, but parents to to kids. But then it gets into all these hundreds and hundreds of sayings and they cover all kinds of topics. They cover marriage, sexual integrity, money, work, friendship, kind words, I love it because it's so real life oriented and sometimes it even has what I'd call a playful quality to it. In fact, you, you may have heard these before. It says, one of the, one of the Proverbs says this, uh, like one who seizes a stray dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel not his own. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is like a passerby who's walking by and there's a quarrel and you jump into the middle of it. Isn't that, isn't that descriptive, you get that? How about this one? For just pure imagery, I love this one. Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger. Now you keep in mind there that harvest time in the Middle East is in the heat of summer. So the hottest time of the year they're harvesting and to have a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is like a trustworthy messenger. I love the imagery of that. I like this one. I have a feeling we know that Solomon is not a morning person by this one. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. (laughs) Isn't it great? 
If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. And of course, what you're supposed to think there, oh, it's not just don't yell across the fence at my neighbors early in the morning, but it's, man, if I think something's really good for somebody, but it's not, from their perspective, it's not good for them, it's not good. So it's it's made to make you think. I love that about it. Um, One of the things that Proverbs, um, that are so important to us to remember about Proverbs is this too. They've, they're just loaded with us, uh, with this, this call to us to be, to wrestle with them, to understand their meaning. And so when you read through them, it, you can read through them fairly quickly, but it, we're going to ask you to take some time and think about it as you go. The other thing I want you to know about Proverbs, though, is that Proverbs are po- probabilities. They're not promises. It's important. Proverbs are probabilities, not promises. In other words, Proverbs believes that what, if you follow these things, if you live according to these truths, things will generally move in that direction. They'll generally go in a positive direction. But there, there's always exceptions, right? We live in a sin-filled, broken world that is not 100%, and so there are gonna be exceptions. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job are two stories that are in the Bible that talk about all the exceptions. The exceptions are numerous, but for the sake of, of Proverbs, think about them in terms of generalities. I'll give you an example. You, you know this one, train up a child, right, in the way they should go, and when they are old, they won't depart from it. And that's generally true. If you, in a general sense, if two loving parents, two people really work together to raise children and they train them with great values and they, they set them on their, their, their path, then they generally, they, the kids will follow that. Well, we all know exceptions. Our kids have lived seasons that that wasn't true. One thing I would point out is, but it's generally true, right? It, you can generally say that if those things are in place, that, that there are, there are gonna be positive results. And I know some of you would, would, would say that you're in that exception season right now. I would say this to you, first of all, this proverb doesn't say anything about the statute of limitations. Time, there's still time. And I know the agony of waiting for a kid to return to the path, so to speak, is, is re- really, really, really challenging. So we don't, we don't minimize that at all. But just, just know that Proverbs, for the sake of our discussion, is, is something that are, they're generally true if you follow them. And then they're written as observations of life by people that have lived it. And that's what, one of the things I love about it. It's actual real life people that have lived before us that are, that are taking a look at it. And I would say that if, in generally, if we follow the patterns, then we are going to find the results that we're looking for. I think Proverbs makes a couple of invitations to us. One is to look up. The first invitation that Proverbs makes to us is to look up. In other words, to acknowledge that God has a hand in this whole world and God wants the best for us individually. And we, of course, can do this with Jesus who came to us as God with his sleeves rolled up. He experienced everything. He walked this earth. He knows what, what pain and grief and suffering all are about. And so he can, he can, we can get wisdom from a, from a source like that. Now here's Solomon. Let's look at the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. And listen to these words. Uh, We'll put them on the screen, or you can look them up yourself. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the the sayings and riddles of the wise. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, a couple things, right at the beginning. It says Proverbs were written by Solomon. Solomon was a king of Israel. And God famously comes to Solomon in a dream as he just is taking the reins and he says, ask of me anything and I'll give it to you. And Solomon famously asked for, I would like to be wise. I would like wisdom. Now he could have asked for honor or favor or riches or long life. Because he didn't do any of those things, it says God was very pleased. God was very pleased with Solomon. He said to him, moreover, because you didn't ask for these other things, I'm going to give those to you anyway. I'm going to give you those on top of wisdom. You're going to have all of it. And so he's had all kinds of wise sayings as as we'll we'll discover. Now one, one of the things that's important to remember here is because God is sort of at the center of this wisdom equation. That wisdom, the book of Proverbs, doesn't argue about spirituality or moral beliefs. It assumes that you already have them. In other words, you're going to hear over and over again what's right and good. This is right. This is good. This is noble. This is righteous. And it's going to, on the opposite side, it's going to refer to things that are unwise or foolish or even evil or wicked. It encourages honest dealings. It makes you look hard at sexual integrity and says you, there is a right way and a wrong way. And it says things like how to, do, how, to, how to work well, how to do good work and hard work, how important that is, how soothing words can help situations. In fact, when James, one of the writers of a book in the New Testament, looked back on God's wisdom, he said this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Every time the wisdom sort of gets referred to, it's referred to in this context of a God-centered goodness about it. So here's a couple things about wisdom I want you to know. First of all, the word wisdom in these opening verses of Proverbs is nuanced. We think of wisdom in English as a head knowledge, as this is something that we have to learn and memorize and be part of our head. But what, what really the wisdom word is in Hebrew is it's more nuanced. It's more about practical, applied knowledge. You know somebody with street smarts that just knows how to make things happen, get things done out, out there in the world? That's more the kind of knowledge. In other words, having the theory is one thing and understanding the theory, but it's applied knowledge. I like to think of my car mechanic who got all kinds of theory and training, but what I love him for is he can hear a sound in my car or he'll know right what to look for in my car. I, the, the joke in my house is if, if I popped the hood on a car and there was a big on-off switch and it was switched off, I might have a chance of fixing it. But with, with a mechanic, somebody who's very skilled, or an artist, somebody who has a tremendous amount of skill and craftsmanship, they take all that knowledge and they can, they can practically apply it. And that's what, that's what God wants for you in your life. He wants you to take wisdom, but he wants you to practically apply it in the places, in the times that he's, he's, he's placed you. So we have a practical applied wisdom. And the second thing that comes up often when you talk about wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You've heard that expression before, the fear of the Lord. Here's something I want to make sure you know, because I often thought this too. When you hear the word fear of the Lord, what do you think? Cr- cringing, crouching, terror, right? Hide under the bed type of fear. That's not the kind of God we have. The fear of the Lord in all of Proverbs, in fact, where you read it in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is to, is to make you think about this. The awe and re- if you replace that with the awe and reverence of the Lord, 
So in other words, it said, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. The awe and reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As we, as we grow in our faith, one of the measures of that is we're more and more aware of the amazing sacrifice our God has made on our behalf. We're more and more grateful. Our hearts become more and more warm to the things. So when we sing the worship songs we just sang, all of a sudden they begin to kind of leap off the, off the screen to us because it's amazing what God has done. It means too, with that kind of awe and reverence background that I don't get to define what's right or wrong for myself. It means I won't be wise, right? The alternative is I won't be wise in my own eyes. And it's a huge temptation. It was a temptation that sank Adam and Eve, right? God said, don't do this. They said, ah, it looks okay. I don't think God knows what's best for us. I think we should, I think we should put our, ourselves in that place. When we become wise in our own eyes, we begin to define what's right or wrong for ourselves, right? Here's a good example. There's a famous passage. I see it everywhere. I think I, think I have this like in three places in my house. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a proverb, proverb three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Funny, they never include verse seven. Verse seven is, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So in other words, all that's good, but there's another part to it and that's the awe and reverence that we bring to this. John Stott, a British theologian, has this great quote. He says this, the essence of sin is us humans putting ourselves in place of God. But the essence of salvation is God putting himself in the place that we should be, which is suffering for our wrongdoings and our sin. The essence of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, you've probably heard this before, but just in case you haven't, the essence of the gospel, we call it the good news, is that while we were sinners, lost in sin, far from God, thinking we were doing great, but far from God, that very instant, God says, I so love you that I'll send my son for you to redeem you and to restore you. The very essence of the gospel is that we were lost sinners and God immeasurably loved us in the midst of that. When that's before us daily, this fear of the Lord thing, this awe and reverence thing should grow in our lives. And if it's not growing, ask yourselves, where am I being wise in my own eyes because I'm somehow, I think I'm limiting my own ability to recognize that God's goodness and grace and mercy is something that I can have. Now one of the things that Tim Keller, again, one of my favorites says, is this, it's on the slide here. It says, a key to Proverbs is that as the fear in the, of the Lord increases, the more grace and forgiveness are experienced. All this advice for daily living assumes a holy God who redeems us by grace. Here, here's why it's important. Because the book of Proverbs is a guide to daily life and to have the awe and reverence of God as a backdrop is so important for you to get the full meaning of it. The book of Proverbs believes this, that if wise people make God-oriented wise choices consistently, they'll have a great life. We used to say this to our kids. Good decisions equals a good life. And I would just, just, just show it this way, that good choices make a good life. You're faced with choices all the time, right? Some of them are, are decisions that are way down the road and you've you got a lot of time to think about it. Some of them are right now, you're gonna make a choice. Good choices, God-fearing choices, God-reverencing choices 
will make a great life. I love a quote by Tim Mackey, another favorite of mine, who uh, is part of an organization called The Bible Project. Look that up when you get home, The Bible Project, an animation studio that brings the Bible to life. You'll love it. Um, he says, if you have internalized the awe and reverence, i.e. the fear of the Lord in very clear scenarios, if you've internalized that in very clear scenarios, that begins, you, begins to give you a true north in less clear scenarios. You kind of get that, right? Very clear, right or wrong. You're very clear, like, this is cheating, this is lying, I'm gonna not choose that. Practice doing that, do that right, do that consistently. Then suddenly when you get a less clear scenario, a scenario that comes out of the blue or comes with a short deadline, you're gonna make wise choices. So somebody texts you and you know you shouldn't text her back. You're gonna have wisdom. You're gonna say, is this, the wise, is this the wise thing? Not right or wrong, but is this the wisest thing? Or hey, we're going to spring break. And don't worry, we haven't told, we haven't told the people that need to know everything they need to know. But you're gonna have a blast. But I have to know by tomorrow because we gotta to get tickets. You're gonna make a good choice, a wise choice in those settings. Sorry, a lot of my illustrations are for you 20-somethings and teens because we've lived through that. We know from experience the hard way some of those decisions. Sometimes the way forward will not be black or white, but out of reverence for God, we can count on it. Just a couple other things. Another reason we wanna take wisdom seriously is, is found in Proverbs 8. We won't flip there now, but I'll just put a couple of scriptures up on the, on the screen. Proverbs 8 describes wisdom as, as a woman, naturally. Uh, she's sometimes referred to as lady wisdom. But this is what she says about herself. Just a small snippet, you could read the whole chapter, it's amazing. The Lord brought me wisdom forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago. At the very beginning, when the world came to be, before the hills I was given birth. And as she goes on and says, she, I, will, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he made the seas, the clouds, and the foundations of the earth. So think about this. Wisdom was there at the beginning. Wisdom was woven into the fabric of the universe. Everything you do that's wise is in the, is in the stream, in the current, along the grain of the, the way that God made this world. Everything that, and you can probably more quickly think of examples of when you went against the grain, when you went upstream, when it was clearly flowing one direction, and you know the chaos and you know the trouble that that can often bring. It's just like, it's just like gravity, it's a principle as true as gravity. Now gravity we can tangibly see. If I, if I picked up this table and dropped it, it would immediately drop to the ground. That's an evidence of, of, of gravity being a principle. But I think wisdom is just the same. It's a principle that it's intangible. But when we go against it, we see the chaos that ensues. And when you go with it, you're living in the peace and the righteousness is all those things that James observed, the purity and the goodness of this world. Martin Luther King has a great quote. He said, the arc of history is long and it bends towards justice. And that's what Solomon would agree with. He said that all these things are moving in a direction and they're bending towards what's just and right and good and pure. It's the way the universe was made and wisdom was there at the very beginning. So the first, the first call is to look up. The second call is to look ahead. I thought this picture kind of captures it. Did you ever notice hikers are always looking down? I, I don't know if these people are, but it was the best I could do on a short notice. But I noticed one of the things about hiking is you've got to know where your foot's going, right? Every step of the way. 
I took a mountain biking uh, a couple years ago, and I thought, oh, this is gonna be wonderful. Single tracks through the woods and up the sides of hills, and I'll go hard, and it'll be fast, and it'll be a great workout. Guess what? You only see this far ahead of you because you can never look to the sides. You're going too fast, and if you miss something that's 10 feet ahead of you, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a problem. One of the things you learn about paths is you've gotta be able to know where your foot is going. So I wanna ask you a question today. What path are you on? And you're all on different paths, but what path are you on right now? Are you on a path that's leading towards the good and the constructive and the positive and the pure and the holy? Solomon writes in Proverbs 3, is that blessed are those who find wisdom for all their paths are peace. Is that, is that evident in your life right now? Is there an area of your life that chaos is reigning? Maybe that's a sign that that path needs to change. Andy Stanley wrote a great book about 10 years ago. I used to give it to all the graduates in my life. Um, but it's, it's called The Principle of the Path. And then he has this great line, the path you're on is the best predictor of where you will end up. The path that you're on is the best predictor of where you'll end up. So again, what kind of path are you on? Some of you are on educational paths. Maybe you just finished school or graduated college and you're thinking, oh, should I go, go on to, to a master's? And you're thinking, I, I can put that off. Or, but you're on a path. You're on a financial path or you're on a nutritional path. We're all on a fitness path, right? We're all, we're all on a path. Maybe, maybe it's a career path. But is, is, it going, is the path going the direction that you know is going to end up in the right place? It's predictable. The path is the best predictor of where you'll end up. So one of the things I've noticed about people who flourish is this, they choose great paths. They consistently think, where am I? Where is this path going? Where am I going? Is this going the direction that I want it to go? Am I dabbling on the edges? In other words, here's, here's the boundary and I'm dabbling really close to this, too close. Do I like the way that feels? Do, do I think I'm gonna always be able to stay on this side of the guardrail? So I'd like to ask you again, just what path are you on? So choose great paths. And then secondly, this verse from, these verses from Proverbs 4, he gets very specific, Solomon talking to a son. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So to continue to look and to be aware of where you're stepping, where the next step is. Let me ask you this too. Have you ever been on a bad path? Maybe some of you would say I'm on one now. I have too. We all have. We know what that feels like. Here's the great news. You can get off of a bad path today. You can start something new today. You can step onto something better for you today. You don't have to wait. Those, those opportunities are just totally ready and available for you. I was thinking of some that we hear about here. You know, when it, just a quick side note, I remember when Brad Gray taught here a few times, one of the words that I always remember, he said the word repent in Hebrew means to return to the path. So if you're on a bad path, is it time for you to return to the path? Is it something that you could do and some steps to take? For example, if you're in a, if you're in a spending path that's out of control, just can't stop spending, we'd encourage you to take a step, like come to our Financial Peace University. You're gonna learn some great skills, some great advice on how to budget yourself. Let money, stop money from having such control and, and cause you such disruption in your life. Instead, tell money where it needs to be and where, how it needs to be part of, of, of your life. 
Or maybe you've got a hurt a long time ago, hang up that you're still dealing with and or you're dealing with an addiction of some kind that you're just trying to manage yourself, come to Celebrate Recovery. They would love you. They would love to talk to you. They would love to welcome you in. And they would tell you stories, their own lives, but they want to encourage you and help you make a better step, a better path. Marriages are under so much pressure. We hear about it every day here, every age. Newlyweds, people that married a long time, COVID has put a lot of pressure on families, especially marriages. If your marriage is struggling, don't give up. Please don't give up. Come to something. Come and tell us. We'll, we'll get you connected with counselors. We're doing a re-engage ministry this fall where we would love, in fact, if your marriage is on, a, on an upswing right now and you're doing pretty good and you'd like to help us with that ministry, we'd love to come alongside some couples that are saying, hey, I don't know, this may be the last straw, but I'm going to give it one shot. But please, please don't give up. Get on a better path. There's ways, there's resources, there's things we can do to help you. Those are just a couple examples. Take a step to get on a a better path. And so, first of all, consider your path. Second of all, choose wise companions. Choose wise companions. I, I just learned this term. I just learned it, so don't laugh. Um, I'm a decade behind on all these, these latest terms. In, internet influencers, right? It's a big deal, I know. Um, I was thinking, who's teaching you right now? Are you listening to the internet world? Are they, are they your companions on the path you're on? Are they part of the problem? Then choose better companions. I don't know, maybe there's a lot of good internet influencers. I should probably do more research because I really don't know. But I, when I heard that term, I just thought, we listen to so many voices and so many different things. And I, if they're becoming our companions, so to speak, we need to get better companions if they're leading us away. And of course, we, there's a famous verse in Proverbs. I've quoted it many times to my then teenage sons. It says this, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now notice it doesn't say that a companion of fools becomes unwise. Rather, a companion of fools suffers harm. And we had to learn the hard way. Some of you parents are navigating this and you... You see your kids and they act differently when they're this, with this group of friends than they are when they're with you and there's just little hints along the way that maybe their traveling companions are not the companions that are gonna lead them to greater and greater places. And remember, it's not that they become unwise, it's that they suffer harm. I know this verse because I've sent it to several of my kids and my kids' friends over the years, and it's just such a constant reminder to us. In fact, another verse that we used to regularly pray, a proverb we used to regularly pray, is it says, the wise see danger a long way off and take refuge, but the fools keep going and suffer harm. So I always prayed, God, may my kids see danger a long way off and get off to the side. And then we have all been the foolish one that has marched right into the middle of it and suffered harm. Well, the last thing I have to say is, so what's next for you? Can you start now? Where can you start now? There's got, everybody needs to take a step or could take a step. We'd love to encourage you to take a step and start now. One thing you could do is you could read a Proverbs chapter every single day. Why don't you do that for the summer? Do it, give, me, give me 31 days. There's 31, right? And you're going to always know what day, what, what chapter to pick up on, right? And, and here's, here's a couple things. You can read it. I, I don't know if you have it on your phone. I have an app on my phone, U version. You know what, Y-O-U, you got that? You can have a British guy read you the proverb every day. <laughs> he sounds like an old Craig Reese. 
He's very kind and, gen- and generous and gentle. I looked it up and all the Proverbs recordings, all the way from one to 31, there's not a single proverb that goes over four minutes. That means you could listen to it twice in less than eight minutes for most Proverbs and you'd listen to it, you could do that for eight minutes a day. Here's, here's, a, couple, here's a couple suggestions. Ask yourself this question, what stood out? Where have you seen this play out? In other words, as you listen to this, what stood out? Did something jump out? Because there's a lot of Proverbs and they're gonna bounce around, right? But there's gonna be one, I, I, I can almost guarantee you, there's gonna be one that just really triggers and you're gonna say, wow, I have a friend and I saw them go through this very thing. So what stood out or where have you seen it play out? First thing. Second question you ask yourself, what can I change in my own thoughts, attitudes, words, or actions? What can I change in my own thoughts attitude, where it's, it's basic inductive Bible study for those of you who are familiar with that term. Comes right out of Tim Keller's book, Second Plug, God's Way for Navigating Life. Then just pray a short prayer. Say, God, you just showed something to me. I'm not even sure how it applies to me today, but I pray that through the course of this day, I'll be much more aware that I tend to be wise in my own eyes and what I want is your best. And so I'm gonna ask you for your help with that. So our prayer for you is to look up to look ahead and to reorient your lives to God's wisdom. That's all we're asking for for these next 31 days. It would be great. We would love to be able to say, we had a bunch of people join us and they just, they weren't on a Bible reading plan and so they got on this one and just said, we're just gonna give it, we're gonna give this a try and see, see where it goes. So go with us on this. And, and we feel like if we as a community can do it for ourselves, then maybe we can have a greater and greater influence on our world around us, especially right here where God's placed us. I, just, just one final picture and a final thought. Um, I knew about this and I'd seen it a long time ago. This is, this is a, an inscription that's on the grave of Albertus Van Ralty. For those of you who don't know who that is, he's uh, the pastor that brought a group of followers from the Netherlands to Holland back in 1847 and settled what is now known as Holland, the first settlers here. And he wrote on his 25th anniversary, he wrote, a, he was asked to give a speech about what it was like and what, what, he, what he hoped for this little colony to be as he departed the scene. And he wrote this, and this is the inscription on his, on his grave. I'll read it, you can probably read it, but I'll read it for you. It says, beloved, who follow us in this inheritance, we give it over to you with joy, but do not forget, we received it from God as a training school for eternity, a workplace for God's kingdom. And I love this last line. This shall prosper in your hands, provided God in his kingdom remains your most precious portion in life. What a great vision for us, right? If God in his kingdom remains our most precious portion in life, then we can advance in this world around us. You can see that on his grave at Pilgrim Home Cemetery, right near the stadium, if you go down there sometime. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful to you for first of all being a God who has unmistakably made your intentions clear that you want what's best for us. And we confess, we just flat out confess that we have been wise in our own eyes. We have tried to do things on our own or we have openly defied you. We're sorry for that, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness that it's not only immediate, but it's lifelong and it's sustaining. And may our awareness of the grace and forgiveness that comes from you grow and grow in these days ahead. We wanna live wise lives. We want that peace and joy and goodness. We wanna return to paths. Will you give us the strength to do it and the courage to do it as well? We love you, Father. We thank you for meeting with us this day and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Thank you so much for being part of this, you guys. So, so great to have you here today. Just a couple notes. We're going to do this every Sunday for the next few weeks, eight weeks. But do your work during the week. It'll make it so much better for you. And one last thing. Out in the lobby, we have a table for Kids Hope Mentors. I'm a mentor myself. I do the same thing. I go and I play Legos and we play Battleship. We have lunch together with a, with a guy at a Jefferson. And it's such a great needed ministry. So if you have time, one hour a week, one kid, you can go and just give him a break from his regular, he or she a break from their regular school day, give the teacher a break. It's wonderful. We'd love to have you see Patty out in the lobby. We'd love to take every kindergartner that's at Jefferson, or they're now first graders. We missed them last year because of COVID, but we'd love to get all 50 of them signed up with somebody. So please consider to do that. Have a great week. Have a great summer, but we'll see you every Sunday, right, for the next seven. See everybody. Thanks.